Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am joined by producer Corey, our in-house purchased lady of the night, wearing his props.cash. Bought and hoodie. sold, baby. Bought and sold. And boys, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, this prop this podcast is brought to you by our good friends at props.cash. Corey loves them. I love them. You guys love them. And if you don't have it or you've never used it i don't know like i don't know how you've been you must be new to this podcast it's one of the best tools that you have as a better um you can you can look at the hit rate for chart for for different player props you can look at where the line has moved you can look at how players at the same position have performed in this matchup and what their lines were against this current opponent you can see some of the advanced metrics that the opponent has for whether like how many points they allow how many rebounds they allow how many assists they allow three point percentage allowed and the even have some projections for you as well so you can just do it a little bit based off of your own things but you do have a model to rely on as well and those are all tools that you guys can get for 25% off in your first month with code Delara 25 for props.cash uh, there's a link in probably in the description of this bio uh, in the YouTube in my in my Twitter bio uh, check it out at Delara with Delara 25 for 25% off your first month you're going to love it. It's going to be something that you use every single day. But producer Corey, it is uh it was a weird end to the NFL season for us cuz for us honestly, NFL is over. The Giants are done playing football. It is what it is. Um I made a lot of feel, money. How do you feel about the Giants beating the Eagles at the end of the year? Like do you did you care about the draft pick strategy or are you just like, "Nah, fuck them birds." We don't have a draft pick strategy. We have never had one. We picked Daniel Jones, and then we paid his ass. So the last good pick we had was Barkley, and we were pretty much ruining his career uh, because he never has a shot in the postseason. But it did feel good to beat up on them birds. I know. And I bet that money line. Remember when I told you I bought myself a Christmas miracle? I also bought that second game money line. Fucking bang, baby. Banger. Yeah. Banger. Happy New Year, bitch. Hey, there's nothing wrong with (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. Look, I um I'm excited for the NFL playoffs. I think it's something everybody gets excited about. Um I we will not I don't talk about it too much. We'll probably cover the Super Bowl, maybe like some of the conference uh title games. But if you want my plays, they're gonna be in the Action Network app. Uh that's where I usually put them. But I am on the Miami Dolphins plus three, and I'm also on the Pittsburgh Steelers minus eight and a half. I think honestly, like if you can get it under 10, I'm taking that. Like they're gonna beat the daylights out of the Steelers, I think. Um, I'm sitting on a 40 to 1 Bills to win the AFC ticket. So uh we are Oh, we I were, forgot about our, our yeah. parlay that we made with uh Maddie Chucks that you know, Yeah, we, we got that one on. too. Yeah, so we got some we got some crazy stuff going on for the Bills, but like the Bills, uh, and you know I'm looking forward to the games. But the main thing that I you know we got to talk about today is the National Basketball Association. Now that a lot of people's teams are out of the playoff race for football, the games are much less often. There's fewer games. I know a lot of you are really tuning in to listen to NBA talk. So if you're a first time listener of this podcast, I just want to let you guys know what we are doing here uh, and how we kind of go about things. I talk about my process to a degree. We talk about the games. We break down the Wednesday slate. We talk about some future games as well. Um, if there's something that really stands out to me in, you know, in the market or something like that. Uh, 
we're going to talk about some of the injuries, some of the pivots that we can make. And, you know, you can always find this. It's on YouTube now. Uh, so you can see our beautiful faces. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple, whatever. It's available wherever you consume your podcasts. Um, but I think we talk some gambling things just generally as well, but it all ties in ultimately to the National Basketball Association. So I want to start off with the fact that the New York Knicks are fucking awesome and uh, looks like we're going to be 5-0 and again after this game against the Portland Trailblazers. I'm recording this at halftime. I might like literally die if they drop this game after being up 20 at halftime. So like it would be rough, but look, OG Ananobi, dynamite. We've talked about him. We've talked about his fit. The fit is it's amazing. It's immaculate even uh, for the New York Knicks. So love the fit for them. Uh, they've And I, you can kind of tell the defense is turning around. So we love what's going on with, with the New York Knicks and how they've kind of been able to improve throughout the season. Um, and I think that it's kind of improving not only their floor for the regular season, but also their ceiling for the playoffs. But I want to talk about some of the major injuries that have just happened over the course of the past couple days here, uh, we've got injuries to John Morant, Tyrese Halliburton, Cade Cunningham, and Joel Embiid. And we will obviously make this actionable for you guys because what else is this besides a basketball betting podcast? Um, let's start with John Morant. John Morant out for the season. He's getting surgery to repair a torn labrum. So that is your like rotator cuff for those of you that are not familiar. Uh, Talk to our good friend, uh, Tom, Dr. Tom Christ, host of the Fantasy Injury Podcast, and he was telling me, he was like, yeah, that's that's the, that's the a rough one. That one can take a little bit of time to come back from, uh, especially for a guy that's as dynamic as John Morant. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they hard tank. The Memphis Grizzlies have been one of the worst teams in the league, and at this point, right, you you saw what was going on without Morant. They were miserable. They were sitting at the bottom of the West. They still are sitting at the bottom of the West. They're 13 and 23 so far. Um, they're two games ahead of the Trailblazers in the loss column. And then that's it. The only other team below them is the Spurs, which would be admittedly hard to catch just with how bad the Spurs have been. Um, but I think it's relevant because they could they have the opportunity now. Memphis is not necessarily like a big major market, right? Uh, so it's 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 a little bit harder. Like players might want to play with John Morant, they might want to play with Desmond Bain, they might want to play with Jaron Jackson Jr. But at the end of the day, it's not the easiest place to attract other star players to come and play. Um, and that's no disrespect. That's just that's just the way it is. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them hard tank, uh, sell off some of their veterans. Um, Namely, like Luke Kennard, lock to get moved. Absolute lock to get moved. Um, he is on a expiring contract. Um, and he's something he's somebody that like everybody can kind of use, right? He's an elite three-point shooter. He's a great floor spacer. And the team that trades for him is in a very advantageous position because he is signed with a with a team option for next season. So this year his cap holds 14.7 million. Next year it's the same thing, 14.7 million. So depending on the team that he goes to, it could be a situation where they say like, you know what, we're going to exercise the option. We want to keep him on a one-year deal um, and be able to maybe either move him where it's an advantageous contract or that type of thing. But Luke Kennard is, in my opinion, an absolute lock to get moved. Uh, he's somebody that will bring in potentially a first-round pick, maybe some second-round picks. That's Those are all things that Memphis could really use to kind of help themselves retool for the future uh, after this season. 
Another player that I'm curious to see whether or not he gets moved is Marcus Smart. They obviously they just acquired Marcus Smart this offseason. Um I, the fit is a little wonky, I think. Um Marcus Smart is uh right now is like he's 29 years old this season. He'll be 30 years old next season, and his contract takes him through his 30 age 31 year old season. Uh, 18.5 million this year, 19.9, 21.3 the season after that. Um, he's averaging 13.8 points, 2.8 rebounds, 5.2 assists, and 3.5 turnovers per game without John Morant. But look, we know the kind of player that Marcus Smart is. We know that he has that playoff pedigree. We know he has that toughness. We know that he's a pretty good defender. Um, obviously, he won a Defensive Player of the Year. Whether or not it should have been him, and it should have been you know maybe Robert Williams. It's not really the point. But like here we go. Uh, but look, he's a great defender. He's somebody that teams I think will value as a. I wouldn't call him a primary facilitating option, but he could be that off the bench in some sort of capacity or, you know, while a point guard is on the bench, like he has that ability to kind of stem the tide for a team at, at any given point. Right. Uh, and we know that he brings that toughness, that tenacity, that playoff pedigree. Um, he's going to, I think he might want to go to a contender and maybe that's something that Memphis decides that they think is worth it. Um, I think that they might be able to, get something for him uh you know they might be able to get something good for him it, it, it's still tough but we'll we'll kind of have to see exactly what memphis decides that they want to do um it's a particularly interesting situation for memphis i think that given the way the standings are kind of shaking out uh they might want to do that uh right now they still are ahead of the hornets the wizards the pistons the blazers and the San Antonio Spurs in the draft order. Uh, and there's a, there's still definitely the opportunity for them to to kind of go down. So um, we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. I'm very curious to know. But I do think that this is a good spot for, for Memphis to try to make a move and improve the team over the long run. With that being said... Desmond Bain has been averaging 24.5 points, 4.4 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 turnovers without John Morant this season. The turnovers are interesting because when Marcus Smart has played, he's actually been hitting the under on the 2.5 line as opposed to the over. When Marcus Smart has missed, that's when we've been seeing him average more than like the 3 assists. He's been closer to 3.5, closer to 4. So if they do move Marcus Smart, it's going to dramatically open up the the usage for Desmond Bain from that from that perspective as well. So those are definitely some things that I'm looking at uh, and some angles that I'm trying to capitalize on moving forward in the spot, you know? So that, that's what we're looking at there. Then we can turn to the Indiana Pacers who, you know, obviously have one of my favorite players, one of gambling Twitter's favorite players, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, dude's been dynamic on the season, right? Leading the league in assists. Uh, he's just been, he's borderline MVP candidate uh, more so than anything else. He's it was bona fide all-star this year and the grade one hamstring strain. So that looks like two weeks, maybe three to four. Like I said, I talked to Tom, uh, Dr. Christ. He said that this is a, it, it's a break realistically. Like this could have been significantly worse. It's better that it's a hamstring than a groin. Um, and looking forward, you're looking at at least two weeks, 
um, but possibly three, maybe four, but he should be able to come back. I think that given the way the schedule is kind of breaking out, uh, we're in June or we're in January now. The NBA All-Star Game is on Sunday, February 18th. So if we look at the way the NBA schedule kind of breaks down around that, this actually might not we I wouldn't be if they're if the Pacers are going to be really, really conservative, maybe they hold them out that long because the games kind of go. You're going to have one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks would put you right around the end of that first week of February. Um, six weeks would be closer to the all star game. So we'll see just how conservative Indiana wants to be. I think it might depend a little bit on how they they're progressing. Um my understanding is that you know they were interested in Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam has made it evident to a number of teams uh, that apparently he does not wish to re-sign with them if he was to be traded. So some of those teams, it seems like, are the Indiana Pacers, the um, the Sacramento Kings are another one too. So given that. It's very interesting to see what Indiana is going to do. I wonder if they're going to go and try to get like a guy like Kyle Kuzma, um, if they're going to, or if they're going to kind of stand pat, or if maybe they decide, hey, look, um, we don't know exactly how bad this injury is going to be. We're still a young team. We're still growing. Uh, maybe we feel like in the East we can still move up or kind of like be okay if we're in the plan just based on what our expectations are for the season. Um, maybe we move a guy like Bruce Brown who is on that team option for every single year of his contract or we try to move Buddy Heald, move some pieces around and see exactly what we have. Um, those are a couple things that I'm curious to see what exactly Indiana does, but I think a lot of it hinges on just how bad this injury is to Halliburton. Um, with that, some of the betting angles are TJ McConnell season. It's TJ McConnell season. Our, our little our little friend over there, 16 points, 4.3 rebounds, 7.3 assists per game without Halliburton. And this next game for them is going to be a doozy. It's going to be a doozy. So the Pacers are playing the Wizards tonight. And this is the Wizards are just swish cheese on defense. And honestly, this whole week, right, we've got the Wizards tonight. And then we have the Hawks on Friday. And then we have the Nuggets on Sunday. So that's this then the game against the Nuggets is a tough game. But these next two games, I'm gonna be looking for TJ McConnell, rebounds and assists, uh, probably some PRA. I might even be sprinkling a little, little bit of double double, triple double, even. Um, probably try to build it out. He's just been so dynamic. And the guy, and I'm actually a little bit surprised because I thought that Bruce Brown would be a guy that would cut in uh to especially some of the rebounds and assists. Bruce Brown is only averaging 3.3 assists or 3.3 rebounds and 1.7 assists per game without Tyrese Halliburton. So was surprised by that. Um, but he has been actually leading the team in scoring with 16.7 in the games without Halliburton this season, which I was stunned by, right? Um, Aaron Naismith, uh, Neesmith, rather, 16 points per game without Halley. The one guy that I want to keep an eye on from a scoring perspective, though, is Benedict Matherin. He's only averaging 10 points per game without Halliburton this season. However, over his last seven games, the dude's been cooking. And this is the thing with Matherin. He, like, he gets real streaky. And when he's hot, he's hot. So over the last seven games, he's had 15 plus in each of them with four 20-point games and a couple of 25 and 26. Uh, he is going to light up the Wizards and the Hawks. 
I, I'm just going to put my flag in the ground now. I'm going to be betting his points props in these games. I don't have them yet. Uh, I keep refreshing to see if they are going to pop. We're recording this around 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time right now. So I am really hoping that they come up here. Let's take a look here. Uh, still don't have it. Still don't have it. Um, I do have some Neesmith is at 13.5 points. So a little curious about that, to be honest. And Bruce Brown is at 11.5 points right now. So I think that there might be a little bit of uh, meat on the bone with, with that play, especially without Tyrese Halliburton. So when we look at this, Bruce Brown this season, two for three without Halliburton. He had one like two point performance against Boston, a 30 against Miami and 17 against Minnesota. Um, I definitely think that this is a viable spot for him. And in regards to rebounds, you know, he had one game with one, another one with four, another one with five, but his assists, his assist lines at two and a half. He's only had one, two and two. Um, this is obviously a, a better matchup for assists considering that the prior matchups were Boston, Miami and Minnesota. Um, so I think I'll be staying away from an under, even though I would lean that way, but I do like the over on his points prop. Uh, I, I really just think this is going to be a high scoring game and we've seen what he can do um, without Halliburton kind of at the helm. Uh, so with that, I'm going to look at the, Cade Cunningham injury. And I wrote about this injury in my player props forecast for the Action Network. And the big thing for me is that when Cunningham misses time, it might only be a couple more games here. Um, Killian Hayes always gets expanded run. Uh, we're seeing his rebounds and assist line at like eight and a half, nine and a half. I think those are always viable plays. The other spot that I'm looking at too, and Steve Keish actually pointed this out, is that Kevin Knox rebound unders. Um, it's disgusting, but <laughs> it was a three and a half right now against the Sacramento Kings. Um, it's the fourth quarter right now. He has zero. Um, it's basically that the min the guys that he then plays with, he's playing more minutes with Amen Thompson. He's playing more minutes with James Wiseman. So you're seeing, uh, you're seeing way more like he's playing, he's playing minutes with bigger players. It's like, it's a little bit more difficult for him to grab some of those boards just based on even with expanded run. Um, Additionally, the other play that we've been looking at is Jaden Ivey over one and a half threes. We grabbed that at plus money in this game against the Sacramento Kings. Um, the The thing is with with him, he's been taking a lot of he's been taking more threes without Cunningham. Um, part of it has to do with floor spacing, but the next games that they play, like tonight, they play the Spurs, so it's another good opportunity to back Ivey for his for his threes, and then on. Friday, they play the Rockets, and then uh, they play the Wizards on Monday. So those are all like pretty good spots for him. With the one and a half line, he's now hit this in 15 straight games without Cade. He's coming off, he had that 0 for 6 performance against Denver, but now he's got 2 for 6 at the time of this recording. Um, the Kings, you know, they've allowed a lot of opponents to shoot great from three. But the thing here for Ivy is that he's attempted 6.7 three pointers attempted over his last 15 games without Cade. So if we're getting six, almost seven attempts per game, it sets up for a great opportunity for Jaden Ivy to make two. 
That's 33%. Um, we're not asking for a lot. And if we get seven attempts, like we're really looking at a good at a good spot. So I would take this even at some minus money at like minus 110, minus 120. I still think it's a viable bet, um, at least moving forward here. So I do like Jay Nivey over one and a half threes moving forward. Um, he's going to get some extra run. Uh, then looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, <clears throat> Joel Embiid is going to be missing this game against the Atlanta Hawks. Embiid has done that thing now where he is no longer the MVP favorite because he's been missing so many games. And when he does miss, there's a number of different players that are impacted by him missing. Uh, namely, you know, Tyrese Maxey averages 24.4 points and 5.4 assists without him. Uh, Tobias Harris, 18.1 points uh, with 5.7 rebounds and 3.7 assists. Uh, and then, but the guy that I think is most interesting, honestly, is um, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton has averaged 16.4 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 2.1 steals, and 2.9 threes made per game. Don't have props for him yet. The PRA has been really fascinating. When Embiid's been out, it's been like 20 and a half, like 18 and a half. Those are all like really good spots, in my opinion, um, especially against this Atlanta Hawks team who, you know, just has one of the worst defenses in the league. On the course of the season, Atlanta is playing at the four, fifth fastest pace, um, but they have the sixth best, best offensive rating, but the 28th ranked defensive rating. Um, I wrote about this at greater length in my player props forecast. Again, I was really hoping for a spot to be able to back Joel Embiid here, but it looks like we're not going to be able to get that. So uh, I think in part, it's because he's going to be able to get a ton of rest. The Sixers next game is on Saturday. When Embiid comes back, I'm realistically going to be looking to bet him again there. Uh, the Sixers, you know, whenever he kind of gets these extra rest days, he dominates. So I'm sorry, his next the next game's on Friday, but it's against the Sacramento Kings. It's against uh, DeMontis Sabonis. And one of the things that I like about Embiid is he always kind of like steps up in these matchups where he clearly outsizes the other player. So when he's played DeMontis Sabonis, he's averaged 26.6 points and 11.4 rebounds per game. But a little bit more recently, we're seeing, you know, 31 points, 32, 33, 40. Um, so it's definitely a spot that I like him to really excel in this matchup as well. So they haven't played since December of 2022. So it has been a little bit of time and we've kind of seen Embiid evolve into what he, exactly he is now. Uh, but it's definitely a tougher matchup for, for Sabonis even. Um, and I would probably be looking at a PRA under for him or even a points under for him, depending on what it is. He kind of struggles against these bigger defensive minded centers or so to speak, these like bruisers type of guys. Um, I could see Embiid really getting Sabonis in foul trouble rather quickly. And he's only exceeded 20 points once against Embiid in his career. And that's in 11 games. So that's just an angle that I'm looking at. Now let's talk about the Wednesday slate in particular. There's a couple games that I wanted to talk about. The first game that I want to talk about is I think the crown jewel of the slate and it is the Minnesota Timberwolves against the uh, Boston Celtics. It's a great, it's a really fascinating game, right? Because when I looked at this, the Wolves are six, six, six and a half point underdogs. My first glance at this, I was like, we got to take the Wolves. 
they're I think the Wolves are great. When we look at them in terms of like adjusted net, Boston is number one, they're plus ten point one. Minnesota is number five, they're plus five point three. These teams both have dynamic defenses. The Wolves are number one, uh 109.6 just defensive rating. Uh Boston is number two, one hundred eleven point zero. Um the thing is, though, I was surprised, right? So this is a back-to-back for Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, it's a little bit of a rough schedule spot, right? Um, so they they obviously played last night. They're beating up the, the Magic pretty good. Um, so it, it shouldn't be a huge issue. But they got to still travel from Orlando to Boston. And then it's a go-home game. It's a getaway game. So... I know that this is a big game. I think it's a game that they might try to get up for, especially a guy like Anthony Edwards. Um, but you're still like, you're going home after like realistically a pretty long road trip road trip. They played the, uh, and they really haven't been home too much since January started. Uh, they played on new year's day in New York. Then they went home to play the Pelicans and then went immediately back on the road, played the Rockets on the fifth, uh, the Mavericks on, the seventh they're playing the magic yesterday and then they're going to Boston. So that's a lot of like moving around the moving around the country. And then they go back to Minnesota for a game against the Portland trailblazers on Friday. Uh, so I think it's a bad schedule spot for them. Comparatively, Boston um, has, they're obviously at home, but when we look at Boston's schedule, um, they're a little bit insulated, right? So it's, it's still a little dumb because they've got they played yesterday they played two games against the Pacers they played um, two days ago uh, and then they played Saturday but then they play Minnesota tonight and then they play in Milwaukee on Thursday so tomorrow so they're on the front end of a back to back they have said that the majority of their players are not listed on the injury report which is always extremely relevant it's always something you need to be checking uh and we need to be looking at so al horford he's questionable drew holiday also questionable and porzingis is questionable questionable but tatum's gonna play brown's gonna play we'll see exactly what they decide to do Uh, the reason i think this is interesting is when we look at the eastern conference the game and then obviously this game against minnesota the game against Minnesota is two of the top teams in the league. They're both in first place in their respective conferences. The game against Milwaukee is interesting because it is a game that Boston realistically is going to want to be able to maintain that number one seed. Boston's at 28 and eight. Milwaukee's at 25 and 12. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that we need to keep an eye on. Additionally, um, Let's take a look at this. I want to make sure that we get the tiebreakers right. Uh, and then this season, the Bucks have already lost to Boston. Um, so when we look at this and we look at what the schedule looks like, if Boston can take this game, you can kind of lock in that tiebreaker. It kind of helps you pro- plan throughout the rest of the season for exactly how you're going to play uh, you know, against Milwaukee moving forward. It, it's it's a fascinating spot for them. So I'm curious to see you know, how they handle some of their injury stuff. But when we look at this game against Minnesota, and I was looking at I was pulling all these trends. Every single trend points to Boston. Minnesota is 0-2 against the spread on no rest. They're 1-1 straight up uh, with an average margin of victory of minus 5.5, and they're minus 7.5 
points against the spread. Boston with a rest advantage, 12 and 1 straight up, uh, 7, 5, and 1 against the spread. Minnesota is 0-3 and 1 against the spread with a rest disadvantage. Minnesota is 4 and 5 against the spread as a dog, but 2 and 5 as a road dog. Boston is 11 and 6 against the spread as a home favorite. So all of these trends, when I'm looking at this, point to backing the Boston Celtics, laying the points at minus six. They've been better in these spots. Situationally, it's a better spot for them. And Minnesota is you know, in a bad schedule spot on the second night of a back-to-back, about to head home at the end of an East Coast road trip. It's still tough. Like I, I want to take that six, but I think at the end of the day, what Boston is able to do, they have so many tough shot makers. And that is one of the things that, you know, Minnesota has done a really good job of defending. Like they have elite defenders on the perimeter and on the interior. However, when you have guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, Derek White, even and Chris Stapps Porzingis, those are all very interesting spots for you that you can kind of break a defense a little bit. Um, but that being said, Porzingis has not actually played that great against Gobert. He's never had a double double in a single game against Gobert. So I'm very curious to see what that line comes out at. Uh, I might want to be taking an under on his rebounds. Um, Additionally, on the flip side, Gobert has actually scored very well against Porzingis. He's averaging 18.9 points per game and 13.2 rebounds per game in 12 matchups. But there's a couple spikes, especially in the points. The median outcome in those 12 games is 17 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, Still an incredible performance, and I think that's going to be a very important matchup. I'll probably be looking for for some Gobert props. I might actually be looking at a points plus rebounds. Uh, instead of just a rebounds, because I think the scoring could actually come into play in this particular game. So that's that's one of the spots that I'm going to be looking at. Uh, finally, the so at the end of the day, I, I do think I'm going to be laying the points with Boston, but it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and I might just take them. I might wind up taking them just in the first half to you know get this kind of rolling early and set the tone early against a team that might be a little bit tired after playing so many games on the road. Um, one other game that I'm looking at, which I think is fascinating is the Miami heat versus the Oklahoma city thunder. The thunder are three and a half, four point road dogs. And the play that I'm looking at actually in that spot, I lean, I lean Oklahoma city. Miami's been a lot better over the last couple of weeks. Um, however, at the end of the day, I still think Oklahoma city is one of the best teams in the league. Um, and over the last two weeks, Oklahoma City's still been better. They are plus nine in point differential. They're six and two. Uh, Miami is three and three, minus 2.1 point differential. So it's, you know, they always seem to play teams tough, but I do, I do think this is a rough spot for them against Oklahoma City, who has so many different offensive weapons to kind of throw at you. That being said, the play that I'm looking at is Chet over 1.53s. Part of why I like this is that the way Miami kind of plays defense is they give up a lot of threes. It's just a shot that they are going to allow. So uh, when we look at over the course of the season, Miami is allowing their opponents to take 39.1% of their shots from three, which is the third highest frequency in the league. Um, And their opponents are shooting seven, seven or their, their opponents are shooting 37.3% from three-point range. Um, this is a spot I think that's really good for Chet. Uh, when we look at the individual cap, for example, uh, I think that it's a tough, it's obviously a tough matchup against 
Bam. However, I still think this is a shot that they're going to allow. Chet has been averaging 1.73s per game, uh, and he's doing that on 4.3 attempts. Over the last, let's say, let's call it over his last 15 games, he's hit this in 9 of 15, 60%, averaging 1.9. And over his last 10, he's actually been even better, 7 for 10. Uh, So he's coming off a game where he made 4, prior game he made zero but then he's got two three three four um so i do think this is a good spot for chet to make two threes spot that i'm going to trust him here i have him projected a little bit a little bit closer to two um so i think that we do have a little bit of an edge here the the line is kind of juiced at like minus 150 or so um but I still think that it's something that I could play. I can maybe throw it in a parlay, something like that. But I do like Chet to score there. And I also don't even mind the 17.5 points. I know, like I get, I said, I know this is a very tough matchup against Bam Adebayo, but Bam is such a versatile defender, and I think that Oklahoma City can throw so many different actions at you that this could be a really good spot for Chet to still score, especially if Bam ultimately has to take on a little bit more of an SGA assignment rather than a Chet Holmgren assignment. Um, So I I like Chet to go over either the 17.5 points or the one and a half threes. Um, But that's my look at the Wednesday NBA slate. Those are some of my favorite bets, uh, at least from what I have available to me right now. So that obviously brings us to our favorite part of the episode. Producer Corey, how are you doing? I can edit that pause out. Sorry. The wind is howling. I don't know if you can hear it. I was afraid the mic was going to pick it up. No, we're good. We made it. Uh, I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm great now. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, I, I thought that you like lost it. I thought you were having your Mitch McConnell moment there. And No, I, I did not shit my pants. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what just happened there. I've gone now. New Year's marks like quite a few years since I've had my last incident like that. Oh, like the On a hell of a roll. Nothing like nothing like a good wipe there, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, My britches have been clean for years. Well, I'm happy for you. So keep that Thank keep you. that shit out of your pants. Keep um, the streak alive. Yep. I mean, or no streak, no streak. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, too but, easy. Yeah, I had to had to make the joke. But producer Corey, how are you? How are you doing? I know we've talked about soup season. Um, you sent me a great, mm-hmm. you sent me a great TikTok about how like yeah, some man. guy heard some guy heard these hipsters talking about how they haven't heard people talking about soup, and I was like, soups are back in a big way in 2024. You were ahead of that shit yeah. by two years at least. We love it. It's super to hear. Um, <laughs> can't help myself. You piece of shit. <laughs> um, but but anyway, what do you what do you got for us today? What do you got for the listeners? <laughs> All right. So Sunday, I had myself a day. Got up early, went to the diner, destroyed the place, just <laughs> wreaked havoc on that menu. So step one, go Success. get breakfast. It's awesome. It's awesome. Great. Step two, catch a matinee. I went to go see the Iron Claw, which was fucking awesome, and I'm recommending that in and of itself to go okay. see that. Uh, Jeremy Allen White was fantastic. Zach Efron is looking beefy in all the right ways. And uh, it's awesome. Great movie. Uh, they did leave one of the six brothers out, which I'm not entirely sure how that ended up happening, but still pretty good nonetheless. But the combo of just hitting breakfast hard and going straight to a matinee at like, I think it was like 1130. 
awesome. Got home, Dude, I, football time. It was incredible. I feel like I would fall asleep immediately, though. Oh, no, I coffeed myself out. I told you, I wreaked havoc. Like, just <laughs> as I'm slurping coffee, it was like pancake, eggs, Taylor ham, home fries. Oh, what's that? Corned beef hash? I'll have some. Thank you. Yeah, oh, wreaked havoc. You did it right. You and did it probably right. had like a half a jug of coffee to myself. So I was wired by the time I got to the movie. I was more concerned I'd have to go to the bathroom. That's fair enough. Which you I know, did not. I, yeah. I always have to go to the bathroom during a movie. It like, doesn't matter how long it is. Because I'm like, the problem is too, I'm just like, look, I know I can hold it. Like, it's not a matter of like, can I hold it or not? It's just a matter of like, I know that I can just walk to the adult. bathroom. Yeah. Like I, like, I know I can just walk to the bathroom, go to the, Joe, bathroom, go to the bathroom. And it's as not we get older... Bowl. As we get older, it's going to be harder to hold it. Yeah, do it while you like, can. I just don't need to. What do you mean? You are you saying to hold it? Hold it. Hold no, that shit. I don't want to, because it just is Why? like. Because then, like, I, I never know how long the movie is. So then, the whole rest of the movie, I'm that just like easily I, Googleable. I know prior, but then, but then if you see it, but then if you see it and you're like, oh, there's like 70 minutes left, and I'm like, I don't want to wait like 70 minutes. Well, anyway, if there's a four-hour movie like Avatar, you need to just plan your bathroom break. Fair. Use that website, whatever the fuck it is, like shouldipissnow.com or whatever Does it is. Does the dog die? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that I get. But like a two-hour movie? Come on, grow up, dude. That's a long church service. It, Yeah, you know, it is. But there's no incense to get And going to the bathroom it. during church is a sin. Oh, no. I would love. I loved going to the bathroom during church. It was a great Me hour. too. It ate up like 15 minutes of the clock. Yeah, it was it, like it, it was even better. Like if somebody was waiting, like if you had to wait for somebody, like oh no, does anyone want to go ahead of me? Yeah, it was like, and you're just trying to be polite. You're just like, oh no, 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 like go ahead, like it's okay, yeah. like it's okay. Why are church bathrooms ice cold? By the way, they're so cold, so Why? cold. They want to um, make sure that hell can't come in because hell is hot, right? Oh, I guess I'm assuming <laughs> it's like a barrier. Look into that. Yeah. Yeah, Remind me to look advise. into that. Write a memo. But yeah, um, go see Iron. Go see the Iron Claw. It was awesome. But also definitely do it the way I just told you to. It was great. Yeah, I might have to go see this movie. It sounds great. Um, I haven't been to a diner and fucked it up for like twenty bucks in a long time. There's a there's this one diner by where I moved to now. It's called Uncle Bucks. It's unbelievable. You can get like an omelet for seven dollars. Um, and I know like Uncle unlimited Bucks. coffee. Yeah, dude. It's it's cr- the coffee mugs that they give you are like the size of your head and they give you free refills. And I'm like, I you need also this. like, you ever notice the mugs you get at a diner or they look unbreakable. They're like hella thick porcelain. Yeah. And they're, they're like, I don't know if it's porcelain. That, like, it seems feel, porcelain. They look yeah. like they, like they look like when I grab them that they like have been used for like a hundred years. And then I yeah, wonder and they why they like, easily be used break. as a deadly weapon. Yeah. A hundred percent. One cold and clock with that. You are dead. You're done. <laughs> done yeah absolutely done so no it's like I, using the back part of the toilet like it's just so solid <laughs> you're fucking the dead <laughs> i um i so i highly recommend diners i love love a good diner um and then you talked about pork roll i actually um fuck you shut up i said taylor ham everybody uh, listening well, right now you get in the comments roll. and attack so, this man i pork roll asshole it's not making <laughs> stuff up you live so i bought north enough roll. to not be saying that now uh, oh no i bought a roll of pork roll and um it was My, actually how redundant that statement was it was actually taylor brand pork roll so fuck yourself lawyered um and what i did was common I, use bitch i cut it up no i mean who says kleenex you say tissues 
Um, I am not so, one of those people, but they exist. Yeah, well, I'm not letting you, you get away with this. <laughs> I'll keep dragging you back to the front end of this recommendation. We'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing it. But um, so we, I, I got the log, I got the roll, I pre-sliced the whole thing, and I took that bitch. I used my vacuum sealer, made my own packages, and then put them in the freezer. Genius move, I thought. So very happy with that. So I recommend vacuum sealing things. It's been legendary. I love it. I love vacuum sealing things. Um, my other recommendation is I am going to recommend London broil. I actually, I made a London broil in the oven the other day. Um, so that was As God intended. Yeah. I like, I didn't really, I never really did it. I've always like only thought that they, you put them on the grill because I just never really cook London broil. It's in the um, name, dude. I know. And then I was like, why would you not? Like, I guess you should probably cook it in the oven. So I cooked this bitch in the oven. Let me tell you, it came out great. I, uh, I imagine that. I know. I imagine that I seared it. You got to sear it first, sear it on the stove, got that browning. It was great. And then, uh, got a, got a meat thermometer, wireless meat thermometer called the meter. That's what they called me in high school. Nice. I don't, that, what a name. What a name. So we got the got the meter. I went to an all boys school. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, the, the listeners don't know that. Um so you could be producing something else. So we got we got the meter. You can see like how exactly it's getting cooked. It was great. Cut that, made a chimichurri in the uh you know in the food processor. Oh, it was God, yes. It was dynamic. It was absolutely delightful. So, uh, really, I could bathe in chimichurri sauce. Oh my god, dude! I could eat chimichurri at all times. Just absolutely. My parents all the time. make it like in the summer all the time, and my sister literally disappears with the vat of it. And I'm like, oh no, the the meat just came out. Where'd my sister go with the fucking chimichurri? And she'll just like put it on whatever's on the table. Bread? Ooh, let's try that. Chips? Let's like, try that. There's nothing like a good bite with like the the oh. steak, the chimichurri, and then like a little bit of like the like the crrostinis, you know? It's just I just ate dinner and I'm starving again. Thank yeah, you. I'm, yeah, Thank I you. I had a little bit of the London broil left actually for today, and instead mm. of just like it wasn't enough, like it was enough, it was like enough but not enough. So I just chopped it up reheat like threw it in like the pan real quick to get it hot made tacos out of it so beautiful it was it was great it was very well done i had still had a little bit of chimichurri no notes it was unbelievable it was great it was absolutely dynamic performance from the london broil um and the way that (laughs) the way that you got it is it is good that way (laughs) so good um and not to count not to count your eggs, you know, count, what, what the fuck's the saying? The eggs in the basket. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah, that's it. So not to count your chickens before they hatch, but we're going to talk about one of the meters that you absolutely need to have. And th- those meters are the meters on props.cash. Uh, you've got to get them into your life. Um, look, those red charts, the green charts, all of the, the hit rate information, all of where the line has been, where the line has moved, and just exactly how this player should perform in this matchup based on some of the underlying advanced metrics, whether it's three-point shooting data, uh, assist data, um, and then even some projection projections. You guys need those meters in your life, and you can get them for 25% off your first month with code Delara25. So continue to check out those charts. Stay up the keep the meter up, and let's cash that. 
Saltburn's not that good of a move. 